Coming up on the Keto Camp Podcast, we discuss GMOs and pesticides with Jeffrey Smith. The microbiome, however, is far more complicated and essential than anyone ever thought. If you release a genetically engineered microbe, we didn't need a pandemic to know that they can travel around the world and mutate, but they also swap genes with other microbes. There's a trillion types of microbes. What you release in one could end up in dozens, hundreds, or thousands of different microbes, and if it creates a a dominant advantage, a survival advantage, it can change the nature of nature in ways that could damage or collapse ecosystems, including the ecosystem of the human microbiome. How important is the microbiome? I talked to world expert Kieran Christian. He says 80% of the diseases, the chronic diseases, find their sources in altered microbiome. We have access to ancient healing strategies such as ketosis, fasting, and carnivore. And on the Keto Camp Podcast, we are determined to deliver the science to you. We bring in the thought leaders in this space to have extraordinary conversations so you could apply it and change your life. Your body was built to thrive. Your body is capable of healing as long as you identify the interference and remove it. I believe you are a masterpiece because you are a piece of the master. My name is Ben Azadi. I'm the best-selling author of Keto Flex, and I want to thank you for spending part of your day with me. Hey, Keto Camper, Ben Azadi here, host of the Keto Camp Podcast. You can learn more about me over at benazadi.com. Today's episode is one of the most important episodes we've ever recorded at Keto Camp because we discuss a serious topic that not only is this affecting your health, your family's health, but also the environment and the human species as we know it. I brought on Jeffrey Smith, who gave us a masterclass on GMOs and pesticides and exactly what is going on that the media is not talking about. This episode is a life-changing episode. As soon as I finished recording with Jeffrey, I did some more research and my mind was absolutely blown. It inspired me so much that I decided to donate to the cause on a monthly basis and take all the action steps that he talks about during the recording, which you'll hear. So we talk about why Jeffrey got involved in the study of chemicals and glyphosate and some of the arrows he's taken and currently takes and some of the people that came after him when he started speaking the truth. Can we solve world hunger? by developing GMOs. Some people believe that. Jeffrey will debunk that thought process. What is happening to humans when pesticides are going into the water supply? We talk about the relationship between heavy metals and glyphosate and Dr. Stephanie Seneff's research that shows these glyphosate chemicals actually push heavy metals like mercury deeper into your tissues. How do you go about finding wine that is not contaminated because Dr. Zach Bush said on the Keto Camp podcast last year, the average California wine has 64 herbicides and pesticides in it. So Jeffrey will give you some advice on how to pick a higher quality wine. 
And then we got really practical here. When you go shopping at your grocery store and when you're shopping online, what are the terms that you want to look for on the labels that will make a big difference for your health? And why if it says grass-fed, it could be grain-finished. And what you really want is 100% grass-fed. And we talk about tips like that, what to look for on the labels. Jeffrey gives his thoughts on the Dirty Dozen and the Clean 15. For a long time, this has been like a graphic shared all over the place. Stick to these clean 15 fruits and vegetables. Stay away from the Dirty Dozens. And he has a problem with a, a few items on this list, which he'll share. We talk about the environmental impact of glyphosate and what it's doing to the world. And so much more. So sit back, take notes. You're going to want to share this with somebody you know. Like I said, this is one of the most important episodes we've ever recorded here on the Keto Camp Podcast. Hey, before I bring them on the show, I do want to take a minute here to get to the Apple Podcast rating and review of the day. This is a five-star review from Kimberly K, Colorado. Amazing thank you. Ben, I first heard you during the Sugar Summit. I have to say I'm a huge fan. In such a short amount of time, I have already learned so much from you. Thank you for all the educating you do. The world is in need of this. I'm listening to your podcast and learning so much. That is awesome, Kimberly. I'm grateful you discovered me on the Quit Sugar Summit, which I have been a part of a couple times now. What an amazing summit. And I'm grateful you decided to start listening to the podcast and taking the time to leave that rating and review, which really helps the show grow. I want to incentivize those listening right now to leave the Keto Camp Podcast a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. And when you do, take a screenshot of your rating and review and take that screenshot image and email it to us, support at ketocamp.com, camp with the K, support at ketocamp.com. And what we will do as a thank you is reply with a PDF download of my Keto Flex cookbook, which retails for $21, but you'll get it for free just for leaving a rating and review. You'll get that PDF download. So go ahead and do that if you haven't done so already. Before I bring on Jeffrey, I want to share a very important story, my backstory, uh, in just a brief couple of minutes here. I thought I was doing everything right for my health. For several years, I stayed consistent. Every single day, I was practicing intermittent fasting. I was eating clean keto. At this time, I actually owned a CrossFit gym here in Miami, so I was doing CrossFit workouts four to five times per week, building muscle. I was also spending hundreds of dollars every month on supplements, but I still didn't feel well. I struggled with digestive issues, low hormones, brain fog, and afternoon fatigue that came pretty much every afternoon. Heck, I remember driving on I-95, which is the highway here in Miami, in, in Florida, east coast of the U.S. actually, driving on I-95, uh, traveling to clients as I used to do personal training and travel to a lot of my clients, forcing myself to stay awake at the wheel on the highway midday. This is how chronically fatigued I was. And I thought it was adrenal fatigue, but I found out it was something else. So I thought I was doing everything right, but I didn't feel well. Can you relate? And then I met a gentleman named Dr. Daniel Pampa, who is my personal mentor now, but many, many years ago when I met him, he started to teach me about the dangers of mercury poisoning from silver amalgam fillings. He went on to share that 50 to 55% 
of every silver filling contains the supertoxin mercury, which vaporizes as organic mercury from the tooth, crosses the blood-brain barrier and gets stored and locked into the brain as inorganic mercury, which is creating low-grade systemic inflammation. So what did I do? I looked into my mouth, and what do I see? Eight silver amalgam fillings that have been there for 20-plus years. I did some research, found a biological holistic dentist here in Miami, and I got them removed safely. And if you follow me on Instagram or social media, you will see that photo I posted of myself in the dental chair at my holistic dentist getting those eight fillings out. So the first step was removal, but please, if you have fillings, get them removed safely from a biological dentist, not from a regular dentist. That could actually make things worse. So first step, removal. Second step was, okay, now that I removed the mercury from my mouth, how do I remove the mercury from my brain? Because it's locked there for life unless you do something about it. So that's where it took me on a journey where I spent over $100,000 on coaches, mentors, programs, products, testing, etc., to learn how to detox this mercury out of my brain along with other heavy metals. And you know what? It was worth every cent because I finally started to feel healthy when I did this the right way. I don't know if you knew this, but many chronic diseases begin in the mouth. And if you want to be healthy, step number one is removing the source of toxicity. And it's not just mercury. It's lead. It's mold. It's glyphosate and many other toxins and heavy metals that disrupt our hormones and get stored in our body fat. I believe this, the number one cause of weight loss, resistance, and accelerated aging and disease is heavy metal toxicity. The good news is this, twice per year, I'll take a small group, and I'm talking about less than 20 people in this group, through a 90-day heavy metals detox process where I teach them exactly what I did to remove the toxins safely, and it cost a fraction of the price of what I paid to learn this. The next group is launching in just a few days, February 7th, 2023, and we have room for a couple more people here. So if this is resonating with you, if you've ever had silver fillings or you currently have silver fillings and you want somebody to guide you and teach you how to get them out safely and then detox the mercury, I'm talking to you, I, that you are being called here. So we begin this journey in a few days. However, once the next couple of spots get filled, we're gonna close it out just because I like to keep the group small and the next group will not launch probably until the summer, maybe the fall. We do this once or twice a year. So head over to ketocampdetox.com. If you're hearing this on time, this is resonating with you and you're, you, you could relate to my story allow me to show you the way. Um, you'll get access to an online platform with over 50 videos from Dr. Pompa, Dr. Mindy Pels. You'll get four 60-minute Zoom calls with me, guides, the supplements are included, the testing kits are included, everything is included with the price of the program. And the program, like I said, is a fraction of the price of what I paid to learn all of this. So if this is calling you, head over to ketocampdetox.com. I'll drop a link down below. And let's continue on with today's episode. Okay, let's get into this life-changing conversation with Jeffrey Smith. Jeffrey Smith is the founder, executive director, award-winning documentary film director, and international bestseller. He's a leading spokesperson on GMO health dangers. Jeffrey Smith authored two global bestsellers, directed five films, delivered 
thousands of lectures and thousands of interviews in 45 countries. He's trained 1,500 plus speakers and organized over 10,000 grassroots advocates. Jeffrey was the architect of a successful plan to achieve the tipping point of consumer rejection of genetically engineered foods. His work has influenced the behavior and health of millions of people worldwide. He is now sounding the alarm about the grave, even irreversible hazards from genetic engineering techniques, which can lead to health and mental catastrophes. Jeffrey leads the global Protect Nature Now Coalition, urging governments to stop the releases of all genetically engineered microbes. Here's Jeffrey Smith. Jeffrey Smith, welcome to the Keto Camp Podcast. Thank you, Ben. Great to be here. I am excited to dive deep into a topic we haven't really dove deep into, which is GMOs, glyphosate, herbicides, pesticides, etc. You are the leading authority to talk about this subject. So I'm excited to dive into that. Before we do, talk about this, this topic, which you actually call the Darth Vader of chemicals, glyphosate. Before we get to that, how did you even get involved with studying this field of research? When did you get involved and why? Well, it was 25 years ago. This is my anniversary, 25th anniversary. And uh, I had attended a lecture by a genetic engineer whistleblower who's saying, even though Monsanto was about to genetically engineer the food supply with the soy and corn grown in the state of Iowa, where I was at the time, hardly anyone knew about it. And this scientist was absolutely sure, because he was an expert, that the technology was not ready for prime time, that the technology was dangerous that it could create allergens or toxins or carcinogens or anti-nutrients in our food, and that it was going to be in the entire food supply, unlabeled, and it could have a dramatic effect on our health. And moreover, once you release GMOs, genetically modified organisms, outdoors, they then self-propagate in the gene pool. They cross with non-GMO neighbors, and it's non-recallable. And so if there's changes that can occur in the environment, they may occur in a way that all future generations will inherit our mistakes. So this was a, a top-level threat for human health and the environment, and yet no one really knew about it. It was being put in in a stealth manner. So I started looking at it and realizing the fraud that allowed it to be approved, the the corrupt regulatory agencies that have been captured based on the mythological lies by the biotech industry claiming safety. And then I wrote Seeds of Deception and Genetic Roulette and created five movies and gave over a thousand lectures in 45 countries, trained people to speak on GMOs, about 1,500, organized more than 10,000 activists, and built a movement to spread the word that GMOs were not safe and that the foods were highly risky, and that based on our evidence that we collected and others, we were convinced that eating these foods was causing tremendous harm in the U.S. population and around the world. And we can talk about this. It's not lightweight. It is heavy-duty information, so much so that in one of my more recent films, Secret Ingredients, we looked at families that switched to organic, getting away from the GMOs, and the Roundup sprayed on foods at the same time. And the transformation was unbelievable. People have, would have had trouble believing it had we not had also physicians saying, this is what we are seeing every day in our 
patients who switched to organic. We had scientists showing in animations what was happening to the body because of GMOs. And we had data like incredible epidemiological charts and surveys with thousands of people filling them out, all pointing to the same thing. So it's a pretty heavy duty journey that we're gonna take with a really great outcome. A single switch can make an enormous difference for someone's health, energy, clarity, ability to, to think clearly, et cetera. So are you referring to that study you did on uh, 3,256 people? Is that what you're uh, referring yes. to? Okay, I want to get into that. I do want to get into that and some of the findings. Before we do, basic understanding of what exactly a GMO is. That's the first question. The second question is, as you started to make some waves and lecture and, and create these films and books, did you start to receive a backlash, maybe threats? Because we know this is a multi-billion dollar industry. So how was that like when you started to speak your truth? Well, the answer is, of course, because <laughs> one way that I was exposing the biotech industry was their treatment of critics, their treatment of scientists who discovered problems, who were fired, stripped of responsibilities, forced out, threatened, their treatment of reporters who they'd hire PR companies to target to punish those that reported badly, reward those that reported well. I completely laid these out in the book, Seeds of Deception, and we're just sort of waiting for them to attack. And so they first said, oh, we haven't read the book. We're not aware. They didn't want to draw any attention to it. So then I wrote the book, uh, Genetic Roulette, which I worked with more than 30 scientists, compiling all the known health dangers of GMOs into a single document. And again, it was like, we don't know. He's not a scientist, so it must, must not be scientific. Finally, they hired people secretly who claimed to be independent and started to attack, distort what I had written, misquote it, and then try to say that I had missed the science. So in the Roundup trials, where Roundup was declared by juries to be one of the contributions to the plaintiff's cancers, in the last of these three successful trials, they actually showed documents from Monsanto's internal files about me. They had one of their hired guns who had created this whole website misquoting me and trying to target me, wrote in the headline, in the subject line, whack-a-mole. And they explained that I had written an article showing how children were most at risk from the potential dangers of GMOs, and that he was basically saying, I'm going to go after him now. And the response by the members of the executives that in Monsanto that saw it said, funny you should use the word whack-a-mole. We started using that two years ago, going after people that were uh, criticizing Monsanto or showing evidence of harm, and have been using that same term for two years. And he said, Donna and I have been using that term for two years. Now, Donna referred to Donna Farmer, who's the senior toxicologist at Monsanto. So what happened was, after this happened, the World Health Organization looked at Roundup's chief poison, glyphosate, and declared it a probable human carcinogen. So this meant that Monsanto was going to lose billions. And so they had a whole plan to discredit the World Health Organization's committee, to get their front groups speaking on their behalf. And they were able to place Donna Farmer on the national TV show, The Doctors. So The Doctors called me two days before she was to be on and said, would you like to debate her live via Skype? I said, oh, yes. <laughs> so I got on via Skype and I talked, said, 
The person that approved GMOs at the FDA was Monsanto's former attorney and later Monsanto's vice president and went back to the FDA as the U.S. food safety czar, Michael Taylor, and that, you know, Roundup does this, this, and this. And I described all these things. And she was like, she had been trained by Monsanto's media people and just smiled and said, as a mother and as a scientist, I completely have confidence in this chemical. So we were on for, you know, the normal eight minutes of a segment. So two years later, while these Roundup trials were launched, they were able to get millions of secret documents, find the most controversial, and put them on site. So I searched for her name, and lo and behold, there was Donna Farmer saying pretty much exactly the opposite in private that she had said in public. But we can't say that Roundup doesn't cause cancer because the research isn't there, that she was saying that maybe the exposure to Roundup to these animals through the skin caused the tumors, that maybe these animals died because of Roundup. She had ghostwritten an article and taken out the, the link between glyphosate and miscarriages, crossed her name off, crossed Monsanto's name off. So I called back the producer at the, the doctors and I said, you know, I have some interesting quotes here from the person that I debated on your show two years ago, showing that she did not say the truth. And so I sent them the documents and they said, we're interested in doing something. I said, how long do you think the coverage will be? They said three or four minutes. So I said, okay, call this plaintiff, call this, this lawyer. There's a lot of information here. They ended up bringing the plaintiff, the lawyer and me in for an hour long show. I, I think they've never done an hour-long show on one subject, and they invited Donna Farmer back here, and she didn't come. So we had a field day showing the lies, showing that Monsanto had, you know, basically lapdogs working for them at the EPA to approve glyphosate. And we learned so much more since then because we were able to sort through the incredible incriminating evidence. It's like these guys never thought that what they were writing would be made public. So they were saying things that were clearly inflammatory, and we found it, and it's now out there in the public. Mm. Well, kudos to you. I love that you did that, and no surprise why she didn't show up for that second debate. <laughs> yeah. Some people think that we could solve a world hunger crisis by developing and, and resources into GMOs. Why is that not the answer, and what is exactly a GMO? So I interviewed the world's experts at how to actually feed the world. They were involved in writing the ISTAD report sponsored by the UN and the World Trade Organization and others. It was a report that had 59 national signatories, so 59 countries signed off on it. And it was looking for how to feed the world. And I interviewed one of the co-chair people of this, as well as the major writers. And they all said the same thing. GMOs have nothing to offer to feed the hungry world. Nothing that meets our goals. Feed the hungry world, create sustainable agriculture, and eradicate poverty. It was, as the, as the other co-chairman had said publicly, it was like a solution looking, or problem looking for a solution, or a solution looking for a problem. It had no, it didn't fit in anywhere. It didn't increase average yields, and increasing yields is not necessarily the way to handle hunger because there's more food per person than any time in human history. It worked against developing countries. It destroyed biodiversity. It concentrated the power into uh, the hands of corporations. It eliminated seed saving. All these things were absolutely wrong, according to the experts. But the biotech industry, starting in the late 90s, 
spent $50 million per year for five years, a quarter of a billion dollars, trying to convince Americans that GMOs were needed to feed the world. In other words, risk your life and your family and your children because these may feed the world and you don't want to deprive them of feeding the world. So you should eat this poisonous food. So they didn't say it that way. But around 1998, we realized that the scientists at the FDA were concerned about the health dangers of GMOs. They said it could create allergens, toxins, new diseases, and nutritional problems. But the person in charge of policy, as we said, was Monsanto's former attorney. And the policy that came out when he was in charge in 1992 said, we don't see any difference. No testing, no labeling. You can put a GMO on the market without even telling the FDA. So all of that was a fraud that came out. And now, now when we look at the evidence, we see both on the GMO side and on the Roundup side, and they're related, and we'll explain why, both of them can devastate health as we see in the animal feeding studies, the clinical experience, the epidemiological evidence, the causative factors, and in the reports, as you say, of over 3,000 people, which is just a tip of the iceberg of the people who've reported to us. So much corruption, so much fraud that you have been shining a light on. It's important for people to get this information because they, a lot of people have been duped by the quarter of a billion dollars worth of marketing to really fool people, which is why you kind of call it seeds of deception, et cetera. So GMO, explain what that is and how is that intertwined with glyphosate? Genetically modified organisms. You either take genes from one species and force it into the DNA of other species. So you have virus DNA and bacteria DNA and soybeans, corn, et cetera. Or you do gene editing where you change the genetic structure in a laboratory in ways that wouldn't happen naturally and both create massive collateral damage to the DNA, which can create allergens or toxins, et cetera. Now, the primary reason they genetically engineered crops was engineered by Monsanto because they were the big sellers of Roundup, going off patent in year 2000. Not the Roundup, the chief poison, glyphosate. And so since glyphosate was going off patent, they created Roundup-ready soy, corn, cotton, canola, sugar beets, and alfalfa so that when farmers bought those genetically engineered seeds, they can spray their fields with Roundup and not kill the crops. So instead of spraying just on the weeds and being very careful and labor-intensive, you can just drive a combine or even a plane over the field, spray the whole field, killing everything else but the crops. It was an easy way to weed, but the Roundup was driven into the crops. It's driven into it with a, another chemical that drives it through the tissues, which also allows it to drive into the skin at very high levels. And there's an interesting story that came out from the Roundup trial that we can talk about. So now you have GMOs on the one hand, which by their very nature are inherently dangerous, because of the ways that they change the DNA, RNA, proteins, metabolites, et cetera. And you have Roundup, a toxin, now a probable human carcinogen declared by the World Health Organization, but we've linked it to more than 30 diseases, the most popular diseases, because as you'll find out in a few minutes, it destroys or damages the foundations of our health, 
from the microbiome to the mitochondria, to the hormones, to the neurotransmitters, to the structure of the DNA, to the integrity of the gut lining, all of them are compromised by glyphosate and in some cases GMOs. Put them together, it's a terrible combination, but you don't want them individually either. For example, there was a study done on Roundup Ready corn, engineered not to die when sprayed with Roundup. And Dr. Seralini from France took rats and fed them Roundup Ready corn sprayed with Roundup for two years, and they had multiple massive tumors, early death, and organ damage. Very serious. But he also wanted to know whether it was the Roundup or the GMOs. So he took just plain Roundup, put it in the, in the water, and fed those rats natural corn. And they also had massive tumors, early death, and organ damage. So aha, it's the Roundup. But another group was fed the Roundup-ready corn that had never been sprayed with Roundup, and they had multiple massive tumors, early death, and organ damage. So individually and together, they created serious health effects. And so we want to suggest to people, avoid both. Now, because Roundup and other glyphosate-based herbicides are not only sprayed on soy, corn, cotton, canola, sugar beets, and alfalfa, all of which are used in food and all of which are used in animal feed, they also spray Roundup on grains and beans and other places just before harvest. So they dry down the wheat, they dry down the oats, they dry down the beans, spraying three to five days before harvest, and a huge amount of glyphosate residues end up in those, even more than the Roundup Ready soy, because you're spraying right before harvest and you're eating the oatmeal that's just full of glyphosate. Yeah, or coffee. Coffee. So you want to, you want to reduce your Roundup exposure, but it's even in orange juice, it's in wine, it's in beer. But in our report that's available at responsibletechnology.org, we've compiled every group's tests of glyphosate residues. We find consistently, except in one case, the organic is, is far less, some cases undetectable, some cases just tiny contamination compared to conventional. Why? Because organic doesn't allow Roundup to be used. It doesn't allow GMOs to be used. So it is a single one-stop shopping to avoid both. So if something is labeled as organic, that means it's automatically also non-GMO is what you're saying? Yes. However, just to be clear, contamination happens. It's the nature of nature. So you are of an organic cornfield, and you have a conventional cornfield next door. If you haven't timed it so that yours isn't tasseling at the time that's uh, sending pollen, you may end up contaminated. Even the seeds you buy may be previously contaminated, but usually it's only by a small amount. More than 20 years ago, I worked at a GMO detection laboratory, and we found even then there was a tiny amount of seed corn that was conventional but contaminated with GMOs. Now, same with Roundup. The glyphosate is used so much, 300 million pounds per year in the United States alone, it's now in the air in certain locations. What's the estimation? I've heard somebody say that 70% of rainfall has some glyphosate in it. Is that accurate at all? No, it's not. It's, that's a locational thing. In Mississippi, they found 75%. But in other places in the Midwest, it was 60% of samples tested 
found glyphosate in the air and in the rain and in surface water. But you see, those are areas where glyphosate is sprayed a lot. Montana, they don't have enough nutrients to grow every season, so they grow every other season, and they spray glyphosate throughout the whole field to chemically kill off everything for the season. So it's in the air too. So it depends where you are, but 70% is a good number from what we have tested. So um, if you're in Alaska, it's probably a lot less. <laughs> and what is it doing to the environment when that pesticides are going into our water supply? What is that doing to the surrounding environment and our water supply that we're taking a shower with and some people are drinking tap water? What's happening there? Well, let's take them separately. Okay. Um, the environment and human. I'm going to start with human because even though everyone is now a environmentalist, we're really also more concerned about our health and the health of our children. So I'll share with you some alarming information. Glyphosate was originally patented as a descaler for industrial boilers and pipes. Descaler because it chelates, it grabs onto minerals and it grabbed on to the mineral residues that were building up in these pipes. Now, what that means is when it's sprayed on crops, it grabs the minerals, making them unavailable to the crops. When the animals eat the Roundup Ready soy, corn, cotton, cakes, canola seeds, alfalfa, sugar beet pulp, they're eating demineralized food, but also heavy doses of Roundup. On our lists, one of the highest levels of Roundup are the animal feeds. So now they're not only getting less minerals, the minerals that are in their system are being grabbed by glyphosate molecules that don't let go, and which means they're getting heavily mineral deficient. So there's a calf you can that was born stillborn in an area, and they checked the liver, and there was no detectable manganese. There's plenty of manganese in that region of the country, but by the time that calf was born, its mother had no detectable manganese to give it. So you have these nutrient-deficient animals, which create a whole bunch of problems, because for those that follow minerals, they're the keys to a thousand engines. There's all these biochemical pathways. And if you don't have the mineral cofactor, it's like they're on strike, or they're the, the workers waiting around to the, for the boss to tell it what to do. Once the boss arrives, plugs the key in and says, okay. Without that, they're just dysfunctional. So you end up with mineral deficiency. In addition to being patented as an herbicide, uh, glyphosate was patented as an antibiotic. But it's a very special antibiotic. It kills the beneficial bacteria in our gut, not the pathogens. So it creates changes that are very, very dangerous. I talked to one person who studied those changes, Kieran Krishnan, and I said, okay, here's a list of 28 different conditions that 3,256 people reported getting better from when they switched to non-GMO and organic foods. Can you tell me one at a time if the changes that you saw in the gut bacteria exposed to Roundup could lead to those conditions? And sure enough, digestive disorders, allergies, anxiety, overweight, depression, diabetes, infertility, every single one of them could be linked to the changes in the microbiome. But also, Roundup was shown, and you can see videos of this, causing leaky gut. Gaps between the 
cell walls of our intestines. There's a Harvard researcher that wrote an article saying all disease begins in the leaky gut. So that same list of 28 could be because of the leaky gut, but it doesn't stop there. Glyphosate blocks a particular pathway, a shikimate pathway, that's used by gut bacteria to produce the precursors for serotonin, melatonin, and dopamine. So now without that, you've got the anxiety, you've got the sleeplessness and other sleep disorders, Parkinson's, pain, et cetera, because those happy chemicals may be depleted if your food contains glyphosate residues. So that's another thing. It also can change the, the hormonal balance between estrogen and testosterone. We want to keep that balance intact. You mess up the hormones, they drive the system. It also damages the mitochondria. There are mitochondria freaks in this audience, I'm sure. Absolutely. People we talk about it a lot. How important the mitochondria is. I mean, talk about brain health, okay? Brain fog was and fatigue were, were consistently reported as getting better from people that switched to non-GMO and organic. At 150 lectures, including two dozen medical conferences, I said, what was noticed in you or your patients when you switched to non-GMO organic? And I said, digestion was always number one and reduction of fatigue and brain fog, which I combined as a question, was always number two. The energy centers of our brain, it's the mitochondria, the brain, the whole body. It uses 25%, the brain, of all the energy in the body. It's only 5% by weight, but 25% by use. So this was mentioned by Dr. Perlmutter in my film, Secret Ingredients. He said, it's so clear when you damage the mitochondria, you can create the brain fog, but also it can promote many of the cognitive disorder diseases that you see, you know, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, MS, et cetera. But there's also a gut-brain axis. We have the single greatest reported benefit from switching to organic was better digestion. And not just a little bit, 80% was either significantly improved or nearly gone or completely recovered. The digestion, if it's off, powers all these other diseases. In addition, glyphosate damages the sequence of the DNA and creates oxidative stress, linking it to cancer. There's other ways that it links to cancer. It's also like the king of all these other toxins because our body is used to detoxifying. It detoxifies through the liver and through each cell. But the detoxification hardware is messed up by glyphosate, which blocks the ability for the liver to detox, for those that are that are geeks, it's the P450 cytochrome pathway, and also the cells, NRF2, that also gets reduced. So the cellular detox, the liver detox, all become compromised. So all the other toxins in your body become amplified if they were normally going to be ushered out of the body by the detox system. There's also birth defects associated with it and changes in the epigenetics so that if you inject glyphosate as they did into a pregnant mouse, the child didn't suffer, the grandchildren suffered, and the great-grandchildren suffered the most. 90% of them had serious problems, including overweight, death during birth, uh, prostate problems, kidney problems. So we're setting up problems into the future. So these are just some of the issues. But when it comes down to what is it individually, in the movie Secret Ingredients, I, among the many people we looked at, there was one family, they had five members and 21 chronic conditions between the five members. But they were different. 
The mother was kind of paralyzed in constant pain, et cetera. She was on permanent disability. The father had a breast tumor. Uh, one son had was on the autistic spectrum. Another was irritable and had constipation. Another had, had eczema throughout her, her, his body. She was type A personality. She thought it may be the food. So she started experimenting on the family, taking out gluten, taking out soy, taking out this. When she finally, and she was getting better results, but every they were still managing 21 chronic conditions. When she realized about glyphosate and Roundup and GMOs, she put everyone on organic and immediately she saw dramatic changes and within a few months, all of the problems would disappear. And so we're talking about, and the son is no longer on the, on the spectrum. Another person that we interviewed into the same movie, no longer on the spectrum. Doesn't happen to everyone, of course, but these are dramatic changes. And we, it turns out that it was the same underlying cause being expressed in different ways, depending on the weakness of that particular body. So that's why I can't say to someone, yes, it's going to clear up your eczema or psoriasis, as it did with these people. Yes, it's going to allow you to eat gluten, perhaps, as it, as it helped with these people. Yes, it's going to get rid of your depression or anxiety or et cetera, like it did with these people, or help you lose weight, like it did with 60% of the people that responded. We can't tell. But because it is so dramatically different and varied, we have one strong recommendation if you're the scientific type or even just the geek. When you switch to organic, write down on a spreadsheet what percentage of organic you had that day, what your energy level was, what your mood was, because it's going to affect mood, and every single symptom, 1 to 10. Put it in there, put it in the spreadsheet. You know how to set up to freeze the columns so that every day you can look at the same symptoms and see the changes. Because you may be looking at your eczema and finding out that your sleep is better. You may be looking at one thing and now all of a sudden your, your period's better. So it's absolutely exciting to see that. But one of the things that happened in the that's mentioned in the film, we have doctors saying people will go switch to organic and their autoimmune disease symptoms will go away, their pain will go away, and then they'll backslide. Then they'll go away for a vacation, or they'll get, they'll get dietary fatigue, or they'll cheat, and then their symptoms start coming back, and that's when they realize for sure that the diet was driving it, and that makes them more committed to that than ever before. So if we see the movie Secret Ingredients as the biggest impulse to make the change, and then that's what gets more people dedicated to eating organic than any any talk that I can give. We're going to put a link for it down below. What's the website for that specific movie? So livehealthybewell.com will bring you to Secret Ingredients. If you need help switching to organic, we have a program there to do that. If you want to help detoxifying and rebuilding and repairing after GMOs and Roundup, we have an 18-person interview of experts there. So we have, you know, Obviously, I'm asked these questions, having given a thousand lectures, you know, what do I do to rebuild the body, you know, besides changing their diet? What can I expect if I change my diet? So we have assets there to help. Awesome. We're going to put that in the notes. Everybody go check that out. And I love the idea of creating a, a chart and documenting exactly how you're feeling, improving and noticing when you make the changes, what is actually happening in your life. Sleep is one of the most powerful factors to upgrading your health. It is fundamental and foundational. Great sleep upgrades you on virtually every level. Body fat, muscle mass, mood, brain function, and countless other ways. 
feed your body the natural melatonin building blocks and the transformers known as cofactors so that your body naturally produces melatonin. Thanks to a brand new sleep formula developed by my friends over at Bioptimizers, you can experience the best sleep ever. I've been using this and it's one of my favorite sleep products. After years of trial and error, they finally launched a new groundbreaking sleep formula called Sleep Breakthrough. Sleep Breakthrough is a delicious sleep drink that supports your natural melatonin production and relaxation without creating a dependency so you can have your best night's sleep on demand. It targets five different sleep pathways to give you the best sleep ever. You'll fall asleep in minutes. You'll stay asleep throughout the night. It helps you get the right amounts of REM sleep and deep sleep. And best of all, you'll wake up feeling rested and rejuvenated so you can go and have the best day possible. Keto campers have an exclusive opportunity to get this product. If you head over to sleepbreakthrough.com slash ketocamp, in addition to the discount they're giving you by using the promo code KETOCAMP10, you can unlock special gifts with purchase with retail values at least $20. This is a limited time offer for selected orders. So Keto Camper, head over to sleepbreakthrough.com slash KETOCAMP right now. Use the coupon code KETOCAMP10 at checkout and go get your sleep on. I'm going to drop that link and the code in the notes I speak a lot about heavy metal toxicity. I work with uh, Dr. Daniel Pampa, who taught me a lot of uh, heavy metal toxicity and how to detox the right way. I remember studying Dr. Uh, Stephanie Seneth's work, uh, who I'm not, I'm not sure if she was one of the experts if you've done work with her, but she has mentioned that what glyphosate does, and you kind of touched upon it, but I want you to go a little, a little bit deeper. What glyphosate does potentially is to drive these heavy metals, mercury being one of them, even deeper inside of the tissues where it's harder to get to. Have you seen that? And have you shared that with your research as well? Um, I know Stephanie well. I think my interview with her years ago kind of put her on the scene because people loved it. It was like about a quarter of a million views or more by now. Wow. Um, I got to watch that. I don't think I've seen that. Yeah, I got to yeah, watch it's, it now. It's, it's about an hour and five minutes and early days of Stephanie. She speaks in geek. And I'm stopping her every every minute and a half, translating it to metaphor and analogy. And she speaks geek, and I translate it. It was really fun. It was a meeting of the minds. I've spoken with her in, in China, and I've spoken with her at MIT, where she's a senior researcher and gave presentations. And I just spoke with her last week. And she wrote a beautiful book, uh, Toxic Legacy, about glyphosate. So remember I mentioned that glyphosate is a chelator that it hugs molecules. So there was a kidney disease of unknown origin, as they originally characterized it, in areas in Central America and Sri Lanka where they were, it was devastating the, the male worker population in these farms and plantations. And someone did research and identified this hypothesis. Glyphosate was grabbing arsenic. When it grabs arsenic, it can smuggle it into the body because it's un detectable by the body. And so it gets into the body and then it ends up in the liver. In the acidic liver, it breaks the bond. And now you have two poisons in the liver, glyphosate and arsenic. And that was causing, I don't know, some amazing amount of deaths, an amazing amount of kidney failures in Central America and Sri Lanka. So that's an example of how it can 
get it into the body. She also talks about accumulation of aluminum in the pineal gland. She's a genius. And she looks at big number analysis. So her PhD is in com computational uh, computer engineering and whatnot. And so she knows how to grab data online, everything that's out there and sort it and look for trends. So she has, and she also has a degree in biology. So she, for example, was saying, okay, what's the data on why kids are getting autism at such high rates? There's gotta be a new environmental insult. So she first downloaded everything about autism, all the data, and she said, from there, I can tell you why, based on what's happening in the physiology, they have these symptoms. But I can't tell you what chemical has been introduced to cause it. So she downloaded everything she could on every single chemical or other poison, and there was always a mismatch. Then she went to a lecture by Dr. Don Huber, another friend of mine, who was an expert at glyphosate. She, Stephanie told me she sat at the edge of her chair for two hours. She had never heard of glyphosate. And everything she was hearing, a chelator, an antibiotic, uh, that it does this, this, all the different modes of action that it does, some of which we've talked about here, fit hand in glove with what was happening that could cause the physiological changes in the autistic kids that could create the symptoms. So she left there on fire. She and Nancy Swanson, a, a physicist, gathered information for epidemiological charts. So what they did is they gathered the data for incidence of autism and plotted it against the amount of Roundup being sprayed on soy and corn in the United States. And it moves up dramatically the same. But they wanted to get, Stephanie's brilliant, she wanted to get, well, let's take a look at six-year-old autistic diagnosis. Let's see the amount of glyphosate sprayed that year and the year before, and the year before, and the year before. So they get a cumulative exposure, which would be a better imprint, a better look at the environmental exposure. When she did that, the R value, the it was a, nine, a 0.9975. A one is perfect, a perfect line. This was 0.9975. That was the, um, the correlation, nearly perfect. Now that doesn't prove causation, but I have interviewed parents, they're in the film Secret Ingredients, they're in another film, Genetic Roulette of Mine, who put their autistic kids on an organic diet and see a dramatic improvement, some leave the spectrum. I, we see dramatic correlations in the specific, as, as Stephanie pointed out, the modes of action, and we now understand why this could be the case. So a lot of autistic parents will put their kids on gluten-free and casein-free diets, we recommend, if you, even if you do that, go all organic. I remember talking to one mom of an autistic boy. She said she was bragging to everyone that her son is now 80% healed. And everyone saying, why? She says, well, gluten-free, casein-free, and 80% organic. And then she'd say to the next person, he's 80% better and he's 80% organic. And eventually she put it together and went, wait a minute, 80-80. She goes, we got to change this. Put them on 100% organic and said she closed the gap. Now it's like 99 point such percent uh, healed from the symptoms. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. That's incredible. Wow. 
Yeah, that's a fascinating share. I can't wait to watch that interview that you did with Dr. Stephanie. Uh, I want to talk about wine real quick. When I spoke with uh, Dr. Zach Bosch, who I know that you're friends with, he he told me that the average Californian wine has about 64 herbicides and pesticides in it. A lot of people want to have their wine. How do you go about finding wine that is not contaminated? What would be your suggestion? All right. So not contaminated is a heavy burden. Zero percent or what we call non-detectable because it'd still be there, but below the ability of the instruments to pick it up. I have this 90-day lifestyle upgrade, which helps people adopt an organic diet and save time and save money and find things easier. And I interviewed this one woman who wanted to buy a vineyard and create organic wine in a special way and checked all these organic wines out all over California that might be available, and everyone had a small amount of glyphosate except one. So she either bought that or leased that and now creates wine from that vineyard where there's no detectable glyphosate. But she was, you know, they they found low levels in biodynamic, which is beyond organic. And why is that? Because the water supply is contaminated, because the air is contaminated. So if you go organic or you go biodynamic, you're going to find that the amount is tiny compared to the other. Now, some people are very chemically sensitive, and you know who you are, and you know what your abilities are, and you're going to have to determine on your own what you're willing to focus on. Like, I recommend if people are eating corn, eat organic corn. I know people that won't eat any corn because of the capacity for low levels of contamination by GMOs, and they don't want to be exposed to anything. I know some people who are very, very sensitive to animal products if the animals are fed GMOs. So a friend of mine, uh, we worked together. She got bought, a, I think, a pork chop, which is a pork chop or a lamb chop. And she was told at the farmer's market that they feed organic. She ate the lamb chop, I think it was, and ended up having a terrible response, checked back, and they said, oh, no, it's, it's GMO. There's this other story I heard. Farmer heard it from the family. The family has chickens. And they buy non-GMO feed, and they get eggs, and they eat the chick eat the eggs every day. All of a sudden, after one breakfast, the mother and the daughter were rushed to the hospital with anaphylactic shock. Same breakfast, they've always eaten their own chickens. So the father contacted the feed guy and found out they had just received GMO feed because he couldn't get any non-GMO feed, never told them. So it was a double-blinded experience and you know, potential disaster. But, you know, that kind of evidence, even though it's, quote, anecdotal, it's real life. So some people are very, very sensitive. But for the general public, if we simply say organic, it should be good enough. If you want a little more care, you can do organic and non-GMO project verified on the same label because the, the non-GMO project tests for contamination and has a 0.9% threshold. Organic has no testing requirements, so it may have contamination above that. But if it has the two, then if it has any at-risk ingredients, the system has been tested. There's another thing called glyphosate residue-free as a certification. They test the final product, and they only give that if there's no detectable glyphosate. I've never seen that. Yeah, it's not very popular yet, but it's been picked up by some major brands that 
it'll be rolled out more soon. That's great. Yeah. So there's a lot of people that are, you know, consumers are driving this and driving choices in the marketplace. So this is why for 25 years, I focused on educating consumers, especially the most receptive on the dangers of GMOs and Roundup. Now 51% of American consumers believe that GMO foods are non-safe. Same, same with 48% of the world's population. But after 25 years, we are focusing on a different concern about GMOs, gene editing and what it could do to the microbiome of the planet. So at a certain point, please ask me about that because we're launching a whole new global movement to stop an existential threat. When I use existential threat, I, I don't mean the overused concept. I mean an existential threat to humanity and the planet that is now before us because of easy gene editing and the nature of nature. So we can take that if you'd like, or we can finish up on the health dangers. I want to ask you about that for sure. I do want to close the loop here. You were mentioning meat. What do we look for? Grass-fed and finished, 100% organic. You know, what about chicken? What about eggs? What are the, the terms we want to look for when we're shopping for these products? You know, I interviewed a guy again for the 90-day program, and he had grass-fed beef. And so here's the, the details for the absolute, you know, aficionado. If it simply says grass-fed, it could be grain-finished. If they grain-finish it, it's probably corn, and that would be contain GMOs. It could have soils. So you want 100% grass-fed. Now, ideally, you want to call them and say, do the pastures contain any alfalfa that's genetically engineered? Now, genetically engineered alfalfa is typically used for dairy cows and not so much for grazing. It's still worth asking. And when you do call or, you know, contact them by email, ask them to put that, if they don't use genetically engineered alfalfa grass, please put that on the, on the list. Remember, consumer demand drives the companies. Once one company puts in a label, it'll drive other changes in their competitors. So we really want the grass, 100% grass-fed people to say no genetically engineered alfalfa forcing everyone else to, which will stop some of those farmers from using it because then they won't be able to sell into the marketplace uh, that they were selling before. So if it says 100% grass-fed, it doesn't necessarily need to say grass-finished. That implies that it's grass-fed and finished? Yes. If it's 100%, then that complies that it's finished. Now, there is one other. Sometimes there's they'll feed molasses that has GMOs or Roundup in it. So sometimes there are supplemental foods that are not mentioned in that. And the interview I did for the 90 day lifestyle upgrade is with a company that is make sure even their molasses or additional additives are non GMO or organic and not glyphosate based. What's the company? I mean, I want to know personally, I want to make sure my meat is great. Like, what's the company you get your meat from? I'll have to check and get back to you. Because I've interviewed a lot of companies, and I, I have you interviewed Bell Campo or U.S. Wellness Meats at all? I haven't interviewed U.S. Wellness. I've met with the with the owner of Bell Campo, and talked to them because there was a Bell Campo right here in California. What are your thoughts on them? Well, it wasn't an in depth checklist kind of thing. It wasn't a public interview. If I if I do an interview to reveal information to the public, I'll let them know I'm a friendly guy. And uh, if I want to endorse something, I have to go through the list. And I haven't 
done that with them. But um, from what I understood, I was happy at the time. We'll just leave it there. Okay. That's usually the meat that I get it from, either them or, or U.S. wellness meat. So I want to ask those questions. So is alfalfa in the pasture, uh, is genetically engineered alfalfa in there? And then also molasses is the question to ask. Or is there, are there any other foods that are fed to the animals that may be derived from GMOs or sprayed with Roundup? And then you've heard that molasses may be one of them. It's something that very few people talk about, but you heard it from me because I talked to one of the people that did. I didn't know about it until that interview. And I thought, oh, great, 100%. But again, the amount may be smaller than you are worried about. This comes back to your own criteria. And I don't, I don't try and influence that. I just give you the facts to make your own up, make your mind up. Hey, Keto Camper, I want to just pause for a second and tell you about my favorite drink for metabolic health. On this podcast, we talk about the importance of metabolic health, metabolic flexibility. Well, this is called Good Idea, and it is a great idea if you're trying to reduce blood sugar and keep your insulin levels in a healthy range. It has zero calories, zero sweeteners, and none of the junk ingredients, and it tastes like a lightly sparkling water. I call it a functional sparkling water because it has been clinically tested and shown to reduce blood sugar spikes after a meal. It contains a blend of amino acids and chromium piclinate. Together, they slow gastric emptying and increase insulin sensitivity, allowing a steady release of glucose in the bloodstream where it can be transferred into the cells for fuel. It also contains zinc and potassium as an added benefit. They hooked you all up with a special coupon code. So all you need to do is head over to goodidea.us and apply the coupon code BEN, that is B-E-N, at checkout at goodidea.us. I'm going to drop that link in the podcast notes along with the coupon code. All right, let's get back to this episode. Before we get to that final question on the environment impact, um, the last question here in regards to food is, what are your thoughts on the... Dirty Dozen and the Clean 15. I'm glad you asked that question. First of all, I've been upset with, I appreciate environmental working groups work for years. Very nice people. I know them. I was upset for a long time that their Clean 15 included papaya and corn, two of the genetically engineered crops. And there was something that they weren't telling people. And still, I don't think they mention, now that they're mentioned, now they're mentioning asterisk, maybe genetically engineered. Fine. Glyphosate is not tested as a residue by the U.S. government. EWG basically packages the each year's residue testing by the U.S. government and puts it out there. But the U.S. government doesn't test for glyphosate because they have been bought off, you know, they believed that glyphosate was so safe it didn't need to be tested, and they haven't been able to change their minds because of the corporate capture. So we have a database of all the different companies that have tested privately, Institute for Responsible Technology, Moms Across America, EWG, others, at responsibletechnology.org. And it turns out, and, and EWG did some great testing of oat-based breakfast cereals, which have skyrocketed amounts because of the oats. So thank you, UWG. And also hummus. Hummus has, has, has uh, chickpeas loaded with glyphosate. Don't eat it unless it's organic. 
<laughs> peanuts too, peanut butter as well. Okay. So you've been, you've been spending more time on the list than me. So <laughs> I just eat organic and I don't have to worry about it. But, you know, Cause I mean, like, they're both legumes. That's why that, that came right, to mind. Right. Yeah. So the EWG, first of all, it's just fruits and vegetables. So it doesn't have oats. It doesn't have mung beans. It doesn't have chickpeas and it doesn't have glyphosate levels. So it's not the Bible. And so I would cross check with our list and responsible technology. If you choose to eat one of those non-organic. The key is if you can eat organic, it's not allowed to have any of those. But if you really want to eat a non-organic, clean 15 avocado or this thing, check the residues for glyphosate as well. I wouldn't eat corn unless it's organic. I wouldn't eat papaya unless it's not from Hawaii or China because they have genetically engineered papaya and sometimes it can get contaminated. So you can eat an organic papaya that's accidentally contaminated and becomes 100% GMO. So it's sort of like, I appreciate the clean 15, I appreciate the dirty dozen, but it's not where I go for definitive. I have to add it to what my knowledge of what the GMOs are. There are 12 GMO food crops, soy, corn, cotton, canola, sugar beets, alfalfa, zucchini, yellow squash, papaya from Hawaii or China, apples and potatoes that are engineered not to turn brown when you slice them, and a pink pineapple. Those are the 12. The derivatives of soy, corn, cotton, canola, sugar beets, and alfalfa are in nine out of 10 processed foods. Those are also used as animal feed. So you have to look at any meats that are not 100% grass-fed or wild or organic. So, or if it's non-GMO project verified, they'll test the, the feed as well. So that, or if it's organic, it's supposed to be organic feed. There you go. So that gives you the idea for the GMOs, for the Roundup, just check that report at Responsible Technology. So that's responsibletechnology.org. Everybody go there after the interview. Final question, Jeffrey, what's the environmental impact of what's going on here? All right. Is that where the microbe thing is? Are you going to go yeah. there? All right. Yeah. All right. So protectnaturenow.com is the website. If you go there, there's a 16-minute film. It's my latest and my shortest, Don't Let the Gene Out of the Bottle. And it describes a genetically engineered bacteria, genetically engineered bacteria that were genetically engineered to turn plant cells into alcohol. They took normal uh, Klebsiella yellow planticula, which is found on the root systems of all the plants in the world, and they engineered it so that it could destroy crop residues and turn them into alcohol. Very well-meaning idea Instead of having farmers burn the crop residues in their field, which you know dissipates carbon and creates pollution, have them rake it up and put it into big barrels, add this bacteria, two weeks later, open the spigot and have 34-proof alcohol, run their tra tractors, sell it off-farm for extra income, and then take the slime at the bottom and mix it, or the, the sludge at the bottom, and mix it with your field as nutrient-rich fertilizer. So now you're creating a cycle in the, on the farm using bacteria. What could be better? Well, listen to what happened. A graduate student wanted to do research 
on a genetically engineered organism to get his PhD. And so he got permission to test this microbe. But what he did is he took the, the sludge and he mixed it with soil, planted wheat, and then he had a control. And he went into the lab one Saturday morning and was shocked to find that all of the short wheat plants on his experimental batch had turned to slime. And he first thought he had made a terrible mistake. But then he realized that the sludge contained still active bacteria that was to turn the roots and then the plants to alcohol. Now, he discovered this two weeks before the people with the bacteria were going to release it outdoors to see how far it could spread. In the film, you're going to meet Dr. Elaine Ingham, who was the graduate student's advisor, professor. And she was told by whistleblowers at the EPA, and you'll find out how, that that bacteria, if released, could travel around the world. And if it, if it did out-survive and out-compete its natural counterpart, I said, what could happen? She said it could end terrestrial plant life on planet Earth. Now, that is a cataclysm. And she assured me, oh, no, it wouldn't, it wouldn't get rid of our kelp fields. We can grow. It's like, great. <laughs> it's like, yeah, okay. That was bad. It's like in the, in the Ghostbusters. Don't uh, cross the beams. What would happen? It would be bad. I'm a little short on bed. Imagine every cell in your body exploding at the speed of light. Okay, that's bad. It's like... like that's bad. Yes. Yeah, it would be bad. Another ice minus, another genetically engineered uh, bacteria that was going to be spread on fields to reduce frost damage. If that was released and became airborne and displaced its natural counterparts, it could change weather patterns throughout the planet because that bacteria, Pseudomonas syringae, is used to create raindrops and to create snow. It's used in snowmaking machines, and it was made impotent in the genetically engineered version. Now, those are two bad actors where we know if that thing accomplishes what it's supposed to do, it could be a cataclysm or disaster. The microbiome, however, is far more complicated and essential than anyone ever thought. If you release a genetically engineered microbe, we didn't need a pandemic to know that they can travel around the world and mutate, but they also swap genes with other microbes. There's a trillion types of microbes. What you release in one could end up in dozens, hundreds, or thousands of different microbes, and if it creates a, a dominant advantage, a survival advantage, it can change the nature of nature in ways that could damage or collapse ecosystems, including the ecosystem of the human microbiome. How important is the microbiome? I talked to world expert Kieran Christen. He says 80% of the diseases, the chronic diseases, find their sources in altered microbiome. He's the one that did the research on the Roundup affecting the microbiome. You do a fecal transplant, you take microbiome from one healthy person and put it in a sick person, that person can become healthy. They may also gain weight or lose weight or change their mood and behavior because that is programmed into that. When a woman is in the second trimester, uh, bacteria that digest milk move into the birth canal so that it inoculates the baby so the baby can digest milk. The mother's milk contains food that is not digestible by the baby. Part of it is only digestible by the gut microbiome in the colon of the baby. 
because if it's well established, it sets health for the rest of their life. If the baby needs something, it's conveyed in the baby's saliva microbiome back to the mother through the breast. It is an incredible system. It is something that, according to Kieran Christian, we outsource 90% of our daily functions to the microbiome. We get to use the 3.5 million genes of the microbial beings inside us, not just the 22,000, the measly 22,000 genes in our DNA, less than earthworms. We are a community. And it's like that in the soil, and it's like that in the atmosphere, and it's like that in trees. And it is a delicate system. Now we have gene editing, a very side effect prone method of creating genetically engineered organisms, but so cheap and easy, you can buy a do-it-yourself kit on Amazon for $169, or you can do biohacking for a $1,000 lab. But in that lab, for the price of dinner each day, you can create a new microbe and send it outdoors for a walk and name it and change the microbiome forever. And when you do that, you don't know if your well-meaning release could end terrestrial plant life or end up in the gut of an infant or end up in the gut of a dog or a, or a bear or end up changing the ability of soil to sequester carbon therefore destroying the ability of regenerative agriculture to draw down the excess carbon. We are in a situation where at the very time that we're understanding the majesty and importance of the microbiome, we've created a technology that could destroy it, that we're making it available to everyone because the biotech industry's main agenda right now is to convince governments that gene editing is so safe and natural, which it's not, that it should be entirely deregulated so they have no oversight, so anyone can gene edit anything and feed it to anyone and release it anywhere. And so this is why we at the Institute for Responsible Technology have shifted. Our focus, yes, we're answering questions as we have today on the health dangers of GMOs and Roundup, but what we're producing going forward are information for the lawmakers around the world for the scientists around the world, for curriculum developers around the world, for popular culture, for PR, for social media, on the dangers of genetically engineering the microbes. And we don't want any of them released. Keep them indoors. But if we're keeping things indoors, there's one class that we shouldn't even keep indoors. We shouldn't enhance through gain of function the potentially pandemic pathogens, which if they escaped, could decimate humanity through another pandemic with much greater death rate than we've seen. So those are the two goals of Protect Nature Now. No gain of function research on potentially pandemic pathogens, which if they escaped could cause major decimation, and no release of any GMO microbes on purpose anywhere and lock it down. So at Protect Nature Now, you can watch a 16 minute video, but here's where we can work together. We have a link there for the advocacy platform. You go there, enter your your address, and all of your elected officials populate with a pre-populated message with that particular campaign. We've done five so far. We've reached thousands of elected officials with our white paper, with articles, with the film. So at any time, you can go back and find a new campaign loaded with, with educational materials about Protect Nature Now. You click it and send it, or you customize it and send it. You can tweet them. You can send it to five local media in your area as well in a few minutes. And what we found is the elected officials in Washington are now ready to meet with us. They see it. It is like the pandemic 
has opened the receptor cells to all things microbial. They're now understanding they need to do something to protect humanity from genetically engineered such and such. They need to protect nature from genetically engineered such and such. And now that the microbiome is so important and regenerative agriculture is so popular, we need to protect the microbes that do the heavy lifting. So we're at a particular situation now, we're in a great rush to, because once things are released, you can't recall them. And if we don't do anything, millions of new microbes will be released in this generation or the next, and we need to stop that now. So please go to Protect Nature now, watch the film, go to the Yavixi platform, enter and participate. And if you can, please support our movement with a recurring monthly donation so we can use the money that we know is coming each month to hire the staff and fill out our organizational chart that we have built a year and a half ago ready to take on this around the world. And it's going to take us millions of dollars and a lot of allied organizations. And we don't have enough money. We only have about 60 allied organizations so far. So we can use your help. It's a worthy cause. It really is. As soon as we sign off here, I'm going to go there. I'm going to do exactly what you said and email the legislators. And I'm going to sign up for a monthly donation. I think this is so important. So those listening, do exactly what I'm about to do and go to the links in the notes below. So you have protectnaturenow.com to do the donation, to reach out to your legislators, watch that 60-minute film. You have livehealthybewell.com, which you have your podcast there. You have some films there, general information on glyphosate and specific. And then you have responsibletechnology.org to get a report on items, foods that contain glyphosate. Jeffrey, thank you so much for your work. We got to do another session because there's so many things that I want to talk about that we didn't get to. Um, Thank you for your work. It's very admirable. It's needed in this world. The thought of these things being released is scary and we got to do something about it, which you're doing. And I would love to support and I hope those listening will support. So thank you. Is there anything else you wanted to mention before we sign off? Yes, Ben, I want to say I know why you're so popular now. Your preparation was great. Your questions were really on target and you got the the link. You understood the implications and brought it back to what your listeners can do. It was really exciting. I think the last thing I want to say is that the epidemic that had allowed GMOs out there in the first place was an epidemic that allows so many things out there, and that's the thought that it's not my responsibility, someone else will take care of it. So when I go around the world talking to other governments, I say, we don't have to evaluate GMOs, your FDA does. The FDA policy is saying, we don't have to evaluate GMOs, Monsanto does. And Monsanto rigs their research to avoid finding problems. So there's no one watching because everyone has said it's someone else's responsibility. And we get that from education system. We get that we give away our power there, we give away our power to government, to media, to so-called experts. So this is an opportunity right now where governments are being convinced by the biotech industry that there's no problem. So they're not the ones. Media has often missed this entirely, so they're not the ones. So people are looking around saying, someone should handle it, oh, someone else will handle it. I'm suggesting that we use this as an opportunity, as an antidote to this epidemic, And this is just one area where we take back the power and say, okay, I'll take responsibility. I can't do it all. I can't be Jeffrey working on it 24-7 for 25 years, but I'll support. I'll share information. I may make a donation. I'll watch the thing. And I will do what I can because 
I don't want to be part of the problem of offloading it onto others, onto the magic other, and then allowing it to continue. Well said. One of the most easiest things somebody could do right now is share this episode, like just text it to a friend, text it to somebody. And then of course, go a step further and go to the websites and make the donation and make the emails. You once said that you cannot afford to eat non-organic, right? That's the case. A lot of people say, I can't afford to eat organic. The truth is, like Jeffrey has said in the past, you can't afford not to. Human beings are the only species smart enough to create their own food and dumb enough to eat it. We'll leave it at that. (laughs) Jeffrey, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you, my friend. Thank you, Ben. Safe eating. I hope you enjoyed that discussion with Jeffrey. I told you it was going to be life-changing. This is one of those episodes you want to you want to share with every single one of your friends and family. Copy the link, put it in a text message, share on your show, social media, get the word out there. Also, go check out the links and resources in the podcast notes. Like I said earlier in the intro, I went to all the links he mentioned. I signed up to donate to the cause on a monthly basis. You could do that or do a one-time donation. But also, there is the option to email your local legislators and let them know you want to stop them from genetically modifying our foods and using these detrimental processes that wipe out earth, wipe out health, and are not doing any good for us. So check out the links and resources down below. We put everything for you. You can make a big difference by sharing it, going to those links, donating, emailing your legislators and also watching the films that he mentioned as well. Just a quick reminder, we have a couple spots left for my 90-day detox program and I hope you're hearing this on time. If you want to join me for 90 days and learn how to detox heavy metals, now is the time. Go to ketocampdetox.com or click the link in the podcast notes down below. If you got any value from this episode, please leave it a rating and review on Apple Podcast. It really does help the show grow. I want to thank you so much for listening to the entire episode of the Keto Camp Podcast. I'll see you on the next one. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Benazadi, disclaim responsibility from any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own. And this podcast does not accept responsibility of statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or non-direct interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.